0: Welcome to the Investors Chronicle Personal Finance Podcast. I'm Lenora Walters, and joining me today are Ziani Batt, Personal Finance Writer at Investors Chronicle, and Paul Latham, Head of Tax Products at Octopus Investments. If you're a long-term investor, you are hopefully saving tax efficiently by holding your investments within pensions and individual savings accounts, ISAs for short. However, there's an annual limit on how much you can put into both these types of tax wrapper and in the case of pensions a lifetime allowance which is currently £1,055,000. So some investors such as those of generous pension schemes or higher earners who have a lower annual pension allowance may need to look to other tax efficient options if they've used up their pensions and ISA allowances and one type of vehicle they could consider is venture capital trusts, VCTs. Now Paul Octopus Investment runs a number of VCTs, so what exactly are they and how are they tax-efficient?
1: Okay, so the government uh, a couple of decades ago set up VCTs as a way of encouraging investment into uh, particularly parts of the economy, so different uh, scale of, of companies, so encouraging investments into smaller companies, those with fewer employees. And in order to uh, encourage that investment, what they have done is to give an income tax relief for the investment being made. So, for example, if an individual puts £10,000 into a VCT, In this tax year, then £3,000 gets knocked off of their income tax bill for this tax year. So that's the incentive for people taking the additional risk of investing in smaller, earlier stage companies.
0: Are there any reasons to invest in a VCT other than tax efficiency?
1: Clearly, uh, we don't like the tax tail to wag the investment dog, uh, as is often uh, trotted out as a phrase. Uh, So there are other benefits. You're going to see growth, uh, we would hope, in a VCT, usually paid out as a dividend, tax-free dividend. But what's uh, surprised me, particularly over the last five years or so, is the number of investors that we have that are taking an interest in the underlying investment. So they are interested in where does the money go to? What does it do? And uh, that's quite refreshing that investors take uh, take that additional interest compared to putting money into a FTSE tracker where you don't really know what it's doing or whether it's doing any good. They can look at the underlying companies that the VCT holds and take some pride in the fact that it's stimulating the economy; it's growing uh, the the employment base. Uh, so, yeah, there's there's a sort of feel good factor as well as the economic benefits.
0: Okay, so so what are the types of underlying investments that VCTs put their assets into?
1: Yeah, so as I was just alluding to, uh, there's a sort of constraint on what a VCT can do because obviously if the government's going to give you the incentive, they want to make sure it's properly directed. So there's a cap on the size of the company, there's a, a cap on the number of employees, a limit to how old it can be. And there are also some source of activities that are excluded from VCT uh, investments. So, for example, hotels have been, for many, many years have not been an allowable investment by a VCT. So the VCT managers, uh, the, the guys like us that, that run VCTs, obviously are familiar with all these. The individual investor doesn't need to worry about these constraints. But uh, it means that the money is getting directed by the government into the the areas that they, they want to stimulate the most.
0: And what would be examples of companies that Octopus VCTs have invested in?
1: Okay, so I'll, I'll first mention perhaps our poster child, which would be Zoopla, the property website. So that's a company that uh, our VCT, Titan, uh, got involved with a uh, very early stage. It had got some system development done. It had started to sign up some estate agents, wasn't profitable, so an early stage company. And they needed capital in order to expand and grow, to employ more people, develop their software, uh, to market, so they're paying for TV advertising, etc., And over quite a few years, uh, the uh, Octopus VCT that that was involved in that Titan uh, was the, the, the funder of Zoopla. Uh, It's grown massively, has become the largest ever VCT-backed company, uh, worth over a billion, floated now, uh, and uh, one that uh, most listeners will have come across either by uh, when selling their house or buying a house, or maybe just looking uh, to see what the uh, average price is of the the houses on their street uh, for general interest. So uh, that's one of them. Another much more recent investment uh, would be Buy Miles. So this is a company that sort of turned the insurance world on its head, really. So this is car insurance. So instead of paying a fixed amount uh, for your car insurance every year, this is a product that determines how much you pay by how many miles you drive. So the more miles you drive, you pay a different amount. So just sort of changing the the economics so that if it's if your car's sat on the drive all winter, then you're not going to be paying so much as someone who's on the road. So a bit of a fairer way of paying for your insurance.
0: Two contrasting company. (laughs) On that note, it's very different to pensions and ISAs and sort of things they typically get put into. So just I suppose just in general, how would you say that VCTs stack up against pensions and ISAs? How do they you know, how the main comparison points.
1: Yeah, OK, so there's some similarities and clearly some differences as well. So a pension, you get a tax relief on the way in, uh, but when you're pulling money out of a pension, it's going to be taxed either by you or your beneficiaries if you've left your pension pot uh, on death. Uh, an ISA is the other way around. You don't get any tax incentive as you put money into an ISA each year, but you get tax regrowth in the ISA, and so you're not getting taxed on the way out a VCT on the other hand uh, you could say has the best of both worlds that there's a tax relief on the way in that 30% uh, tax income tax relief that I referred to earlier on and also you're getting the benefit of tax-free growth and dividends so uh, you've got the, the benefits of a, of a, a, uh, of a pension and ISA wrapped up in one but that additional tax benefit clearly comes because you're taking additional risk in investing in the sort of startups that I was just talking about
0: On that note you know, what are the main sort of key risks of VCT investing?
1: Yeah, I, I think the, the most obvious one is that when you're investing in early stage companies, some of them will not work, yeah, they go bust. And uh, we mitigate that. So Titan, which is our VCT that invests in the earlier stage, uh, there are 60 or so investments in that fund. And we would expect some of them will uh, not work. So I mentioned one uh, just now. Um, Hopefully that will be as successful as Zoopla. Who knows? Uh, So there is a risk that some of the portfolio will go down. Clearly we uh, would uh, manage this in a way that we would hope that there are more winners than losers. And overall you're generating the sort of returns that we've generated over the last 10 years with Titan.
0: So basically, the risk of private equity, yes.
1: Absolutely, uh, yes. And so mitigation of that is about uh, Mm. diversification. And so the 60 different companies across a whole range of sectors at various stages of that investment uh, mitigates that risk, but it still exists there. So... If you're an investor who can't take the emotional turmoil of seeing that uh, part of your investment has uh, gone to zero while others has gone up, then uh, this is not for you. Um, It it needs to be people who are... Comfortable enough with the ups and downs of, uh, of investing.
0: So obviously, choice. let would say certainly for somebody with a high risk appetite, long term investment horizon. Are there any other kind of sort of like attributes that you should you know you as an investor should have to consider? yourself suitable for investing in VCTs?
1: So there's a couple of basic technical things you've got to be over 18 or else you can't invest. Mm. uh, If you're not paying uh, UK income tax then there's little point because that's Mm. the key uh, incentive. But beyond that as long as you're comfortable with the risk then I think it is something that should be considered as part of your investment portfolio. Uh, No one would suggest that all of your investment money should be going into VCTs but it should be part of the picture for you. Uh, And as you were alluding to in the opening statement many people have maxed out on their pensions mm. or i think they will do before they've retired yeah so uh, there's a lot of people who are, who are moving uh, moving to think about vcts as an alternative long-term saving mm. uh, to generate additional income during retirement
0: yeah so I think it would be fair to say max out your pension max out your isa which you can i suppose you invest in perhaps lower risk investments and when you've exhausted those then then looked for VCTs.
1: Uh, so I don't give tax advice uh, to okay, individuals, no, uh, but, um, I, but think, yeah. I think that there's a, that's the traditional view. I think if you start to look at the underlying investments, you said you can invest in in lower mm. risk assets in, in pensions and I yeah. absolutely can. Uh, but then the returns out of those will be lower as well. So uh, it's horses for courses.
0: You mentioned VCTs pay tax-free dividends. Does that mean they're a particularly good option, let's say, for income seekers, albeit you know high risk appetite income seekers?
1: Uh, that's certainly one of the the attractions. So, as you say, the the dividends are tax-free. Most VCTs are paying out probably around 5% would be mm. the, uh, the norm. Uh, but because it's tax-free, you're looking at high single digits effectively as the return as a pre-tax comparison. So that is quite attractive. But what we see is that uh, probably half of our investors actually choose to reinvest those dividends. Mm. So they're not looking for the income. They don't need the income uh, at the moment and are reinvesting those dividends and interestingly, by reinvesting the dividend each year, if you've got a £1,000 of dividend coming out from your VCT and it gets reinvested, that's like another new investment in a VCT and you'll get £300 back from uh, the revenue uh, in income tax rebate. So you get a hmm. sort of double, double benefit of reinvesting your dividends.
0: My other thought on that is um, VCTs, like you mentioned, are focused on growth investments. Yes. So is it really appropriate to think of them as an income investment?
1: So I think that you need to look at the portfolio Mm. as a whole and the way it's managed. So most VCTs are managed to have their share price about stable that you'll typically pay about a pound uh, on issue of a share uh, and it will probably be worth a pound in 10 years time the profits will be paid out as dividends mm. because it does give people who want that income the, the ability to keep it or they can reinvest if they if they don't need the income that within the 60 companies within the vct there is growth is absolutely true or you know, losses i almost also mentioned those when you look at the VCT as an overall portfolio, that fund is generating a normal, normally about the 5% mark. So it's got growth investments in, but actually as a fund, it's a, it's a yield generator. Due to its structure,
0: yeah. Okay, right. So if you decide that for whatever reasons you need some VCTs in your investment portfolio, how do you go about choosing one?
1: So I think that it's important for most people, particularly if they're starting out in the VCT investment uh, process, to be looking at the the manager that's, that's running that fund. Have they been doing VCTs for a while? Uh, have they got a good track record? And what's the size of the management team that, that's investing the VCT and, indeed, the size of the VCT itself? So mm-hmm. it's a very different risk if you're looking at an existing portfolio of 60 stocks uh, within the VCT. Uh, that look, that seems very different in terms of the uh, risk return profile to a brand new VCT that's just started up, that's made no investments, and your pound would make the mm-hmm. first investment in that VCT. Uh, now, in reality, there aren't very many brand new VCTs, but, but scale is part of what you'd look at, uh, the established portfolio and an established manager with a track record.
0: Now we've been talking about v c t s very generically, but um perhaps something else that people should consider is there are different types of v c t so what are the the main types, and you know what do people need to consider when deciding which type to choose
1: okay so uh, one way to distinguish between VCTs would be specialist versus generalist so uh, fewer available now but it has in the past been the case that there are uh, there have been a number of very specialist VCTs just focused on one narrow sector maybe a uh, um, in the biotech uh, industry that would have the benefit of a management team, an investment team that are very focused on that, concentrating mm-hmm. just on that deep knowledge of that sector. The benefits Mm. of that uh, single sector approach, Mm. that uh, specialist approach, would be concentration of uh, the manager attention and their expertise, but clearly it also concentrates the risk in that just one sector. So if uh, science goes up, then that's Mm. good if it goes down. The majority of VCTs would be classed as generalist. Mm. The other way to think about uh, categorising VCTs would be to look at uh, the way that, that they invest in terms of what stage in the life cycle are they investing So I've referenced a couple of times the Titan VCT, which does Mm -hmm. uh, some seed investing and mainly early stage investing. But then there are other VCTs that look at companies a bit later in their life. Mm -hmm. Uh, Apollo would be our example of that. So companies that are established looking to grow, uh, but already profitable. Um, And then the third category would be the AIM VCTs, which Mm -hmm. are a bit later again in the life cycle typically. So it's companies that are, either coming to AIM for the first time or are raising more money on AIM.
0: AIM being the, um, for the sake of our listeners, the alternative investment market which Absolutely. is actually a stock market of listed stocks rather than um, unquoted holdings like Absolutely. most VCTs
1: hold. Yep, uh, it yeah. sits between the mm. uh, between the unquoted holdings and the and the main market and those, uh, the companies there will typically be a, a bit larger a bit more established again so mm. those are the three rough categories of the, uh, with AIM at sort of the the later stage, larger companies, the the Titan at the uh, the very early stage, mm. Apollo in the middle. V- those are both generous VCTs. Yes. Yes. Yeah, they're, they're.
0: And do you do you run any any AIM VCTs?
1: Yes, we do run AIM VCTs as well. Uh, so we have a pair of uh, VCTs that sort of uh, co invest together. So yes.
0: now we've been talking about how to pick hopefully a good one (laughs) Um, but are there any features or attributes that might be a reason to avoid a VCT? I
1: uh, spoke earlier about that uh, if you're not happy with the risk, then you shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't be uh, looking at uh, VCTs. Uh, they are a higher risk investment than uh, investing on the main market, largely because you're investing in smaller companies. Um, so that, I think, is, the, is the, key, uh, the key issue, is about managing the attitude to the risk of the investor and making sure that they're, they're suitable for, for the VCT investment.
0: Does it matter when you invest in a VCT?
1: Okay, that's an interesting question. Uh, If I go back 10, 15 years when I was first involved with VCTs, it would be normal for 80, maybe even 90% of the investment into VCTs to be done in the last couple of months of the tax year. But that's changed, so let me uh, explain why I think that has changed. Uh, In the early days, the VCTs were largely bought by high net worth individuals. Um, Typical investor would be a banker who has just taken a big bonus uh, Mm. in January looking for something to do with that money. has got some cash on hand and got a big tax bill to pay. That's changed and VCTs are now much more mainstream. I'm not saying they're suitable for everyone, Mm. but the the mass affluent are certainly the the major buyers of VCTs now. And so the mass affluent typically salaried, uh, not with big discretionary bonuses, and therefore are able to do their tax planning a bit earlier in the tax year, and therefore can determine uh, what what sort of investment they need to make at, at what stage. Uh, another thing that's happened uh, more recently, and partly because of the uh, sort of additional demand that we've seen over the over the last few years in in VCTs, uh, is that VCTs do fill up. So a VCT will go out, raising 30 mm. £50 million pounds perhaps, uh, and once it's raised that amount, then it's full and it shuts the doors. So if you're after a VCT from a particular manager or a particular type of VCT, if you leave it too late, you may well miss out.
0: Right. So, and maybe that's an important point to emphasize in, in, I suppose, about how VCTs work. They're not like other funds where you go to bulk and buy them year in, you're out. Yeah. They're either open raising money or not.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Because the only way to get the tax relief hmm. from the VCT is to buy new shares issued by the VCT. Uh, so, it's not as though they're available all the year through. They're available hmm. only when new money is being raised uh, into the VCT.
0: Okay. Well, what about secondary trading of shares? I
1: mean, uh, so that doesn't really exist with VCTs mm. uh, because of the the reason that you, if you buy a secondary share, then you're not going to get the the tax relief. So the way mm. that uh, liquidity is provided throughout the whole VCT market is that the VCT itself will buy back its own shares uh, and cancel them uh, mm. if individuals want to get out. So uh, if you're wanting to sell a VCT, Rather than just uh, trying to sell it uh, online or uh, with your broker, you should have a conversation Mm. with the manager of the VCT who can arrange the share buyback.
0: So in view of what you were saying about, you know, sort of like sort of get it or or miss out, it is fairly early in the tax year. But does that mean you should be already thinking about getting into VCTs are open before they sell out?
1: Yes, uh, either before they sell out, and uh, that does happen. So every year, the better VCTs, the more popular VCTs will be uh, taken out before before the tax year is closed. There's also another structural reason why people are investing earlier. If you were to have a VCT uh, investment today, shares issued to you today, it's a very different uh, way to, to claim the tax to uh, if you're doing it at the year end. So, Take an example of someone who buys the shares in January 2020, so in the current tax year, uh, but at the the back end of the tax year. If they were to buy in January 2020, the way they would reclaim their tax is by putting the fact they've made a VCT investment on their self-assessment, they may not submit that self-assessment until uh, January 21. Yeah? And then by the time the tax man's got around to working out what he owes you and getting the cheque sent to you, you're in the middle of uh, 21. So for an investment in this tax year, you're getting the tax relief back in 21. In contrast to that, if you're to make an investment today uh, and have the share issued today, you get your tax certificate and uh, you could submit that to the revenue this week Mm -hmm. uh, and then the revenue will change your uh, tax code. So you immediately start to see the benefit in your monthly salary. Less tax is going to be paid every month for the rest of this year. And for the months that have already gone past before the change is is done, there's a catch-up. So you'd you'd get part of the money as a lump sum and then the rest throughout the year. So by investing early, you get to change the tax code, you get the the, the benefit much sooner. You'd get it now rather than uh, the example of Mm mid-2021.
0: Okay, a really, really um, uh, useful point there. Um, Thank you, Paul. Also, a very useful roundup on VCTs and the kind of investors they could be useful for. US-China trade tensions, increasing right-wing sentiment across Europe, and lack of clarity over the direction of Brexit and who will be the next UK Prime Minister don't bode well for markets. But, If you've got a long-term investment horizon and can invest in the areas and companies with the potential to ride such problems out, you could still achieve decent growth over the long term. So Zayani, you've been uh, assessing this. What investment areas could provide this potential long-term
2: growth? So, I think emerging markets can offer the potential long-term growth and help diversify investors' portfolios. This is because there's in these areas there's a lot of growth and development, um, and in that these regions have predominantly young populations which are getting wealthier, and the economies that used to be dominated by commodities and export manufacturing are now uh, developing. So, how can investors
0: get their hands on these um, emerging markets listed companies?
2: So one way um, to get access is to invest in the Fidelity Emerging Markets um, Fund, and that's managed by Nick Price. Um, the fund aims for long-term growth, and Mr. Price is actually quite a well-experienced fund manager, so he's been running it since 2010, although he's been covering emerging markets in general since 2005. Um, and he gets ideas of stocks to pick from the Fidelity Regional Markets portfolios which cover Asia, the Middle East and Africa and then Latin America. So
0: what kind of emerging markets companies does uh, Nick Price invest in?
2: So he looks to invest in basically two different types of companies. The first are those that have strong market positions um, and characteristics that give them a competitive advantage in the industry in which they're in. Um, And the second are businesses that are able to deliver superior returns on their assets and have well capitalised balance sheets.
0: And what would be examples of uh, sectors and companies a fund currently holds?
2: The fund's largest sector exposure is in financials, which account for about 36.7% of total assets. Um, and this is followed by consumer discretionary. Um, so, for example, of companies that he invests in, the largest is this largest fund's largest holding is in um, NASBAs, which is a ma- multinational internet and media group that's headquartered in South Africa and then um IA, which is a Pan Asian life insurance group. So a key question, what
0: kind of returns has this fund delivered? Has it you know has that growth come through?
2: Yeah, it's done quite well actually. Over five years the fund has made a total return of fifty-four percent ahead of both the index which is the MSCI Emerging Markets Index and the IA Global Emerging Markets Sector Average.
0: Now this all sounds very good, but you know what are the downsides to investing in emerging markets funds such as this one?
2: Well, I guess the most important risk is that emerging markets can be quite volatile, and that's a result of both kind of less stable financial infrastructure and slightly lower government governance standards. But also the fund has almost a fifth of its um, assets in China. And as you mentioned earlier, the US-China trade tensions mean that this area could experience price, price fluctuations.
0: Thank you, Zayani. And you can read her full profile on Fidelity Emerging Markets Fund in this week's issue of Investors Chronicle on the website. That brings us to the end of today's show, but also see this week's Investors Chronicle or the website at www.investorschronicle.co.uk for more tax-efficient investing, emerging markets and high-growth investments. Thank you for listening and have a good weekend.